You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. Well, what's going on, everybody? John and Pembe, Andrew Cooper here, bringing you Fantasy Alarm and Fantasy Football Podcast, uh, Episode 11, Coop. We're already inching closer, closer to the start of the NFL season. Uh, recording here on Wednesday, the 11th, which means tomorrow, the 12th, Thursday, we have some Patriots football preseason. The rest of the preseason games kick off following the uh, Hall of Fame game. So we got a, a lot going forward to, a lot to look forward to. And today, Coop, we're going to go over some of the unofficial depth charts that were released by the teams heading into this week. Some interesting, I think, spots we see some players in, maybe some trolling. Potentially done by some teams as well. These unofficial depth charts. Uh, it should be some pretty interesting takes to go over before we jump into it all, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. And especially because these depth charts, it's always so fun every year. Uh, some teams take them seriously. Some teams don't. Some teams will even split up the positions the way they split them up in real life. Some teams, like maybe the Saints, for instance, they really don't care at all. So it's fun to take a look at these, figure out like we talked about last week, what's actionable information and what isn't. So I really enjoy it. The more rumors, the better, I find. I choose to believe them all. Yeah, I, I agree with you, too. The more rumors, the better, especially when it's a one-liner in the middle of a a middle of a paragraph as a throwaway line from a beat reporter reporter who saw a guy do something from across the field. Those those are always my, my favorite takes that we're getting that people are reacting to. But I mean, over the last couple of days, rather, it was these depth charts that have come out. I know immediately once they were released, you started quote tweeting some, talking about some interesting positions. So I wanted to get into them. And let's just kick it off right now. We're going to with the Arizona Cardinals. This is a team that brought in some new guys. They, they signed A.J. Green. They drafted Rondell Moore. They signed James Conn. They don't have Kenny and Drake there anymore. They let go of Dan Arnold. So their offensive depth chart shaken up a bit here. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald retired. What did you notice on this unofficial depth chart that stands out to you the most here, Coop? Well, we're going to need to go quick if we're going to rattle through these. So what I'll say is this. The Cardinals one is the one of the most interesting ones because they actually broke out the wide receivers into three, diff- three different positions. And there's actually an article that came along with it that actually said Z, X, and Y positions. So basically they have the split end position with DeAndre Hopkins, Keyshawn Johnson, Antoine Wesley. Then they have the flanker position with AJ Green, Andy Isabella. And then the slot position, they have Christian Kirk at the head of the depth chart and then Rondell Moore next. They also came out basically – it shows three wide receivers and one tight end, but the top tight end is Max Williams. So basically what this depth chart tells me is that they're going to come out three wide receivers, Green, Hopkins, and Kirk. Rondell Moore is going to be the second slot in four wide receiver sets, which is what they're going to run mostly anyway, and because uh, that's what they do. And uh, the only other interesting thing is that it has Chase Edmonds over James Conner, which a lot of us predicted anyway. So, But interesting stuff with the wide receivers, for sure. That's a lot more information than most most depth charts give you. Yeah, and I mean, you've been you've been one that has championed the breaking out the depth charts and talking about players in those type of positions and how they break out and work in their offense. So like you said, seeing them split out like that obviously had to make your, your heart tickle a little bit, eh? Oh, it's the best. And definitely check out the article that came with it because I think it's on their official website and it actually says slot, split end, a flanker. That helps us for fantasy. They've been helping us every step of the way. If you go on, they, they have a YouTube channel where they're doing a Cardinals flight plan. And there's a clip that I tweeted out that's literally Cliff Kingsbury going to Kurt 
uh, Christian Kirk and saying, hey, how do you like playing this a lot this year? You're going to be playing a lot of slot. And that's right. exactly what I want to hear. But, uh, okay. hey, we got we got 30, 32 teams. Yeah, so we got more to go to. We got, we got Atlanta Falcons here who I thought were trolling us all. Corderell Patterson listed as the RB2 here behind Mike Davis. Thoughts on, on this Falcons depth chart? No longer Julio Jones available. All over the place, man. I mean, they, they still have Cordero Patterson as the top kick returner, which he's one of the best of all time. Him, and, I think it's him and, oh man, the legendary Gale Sayers as the top guys in return yard and yards per return. So I think they're trolling there. I think the other one where they're not being straight up with us is they set it up to have two tight ends, right? They uh, So the other one had one tight end, three wide receivers. Theirs shows a base formation with two wide receivers, Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage, and then two tight ends. But it's not the tight ends that you would think. They have Hayden Hurst and Lee Smith there with Kyle Pitts as the backup. Do you think that holds in Pemba? I don't think so. I don't think <laughs> that Kyle Pitts is going to be the uh, backup tight end. Yeah, I think what happens is Hayden Hurst moves into that Lee Smith inline blocking tight end role and Kyle Pitts is the pass catcher tight end. So this one is probably a little bit of an old school coach just saying, hey, you know what, you got to earn it. But that's not really what's going to happen. Kyle Pitts is going to be a starter. So I wouldn't put too much stock in that one. All right, next one. Yeah, well, what do we got going on here next? We got the Baltimore Ravens. Thoughts on this one? Any Anybody stand out to you? Are you a believer in Sammy Watkins, Coop? I mean, you've been tweeting it out, and we know that Sammy Watkins is the – he's like the the first week blow-up superstar, historically speaking. Now, the Ravens released one of the more in-depth depth charts of anyone, which I appreciate as well. So you have Sammy Watkins, Marquise Brown as the starting two wide receivers. Then you have uh, Rashad Bateman behind Sammy Watkins, Devin Duvernay behind him. Guys like Miles Boykin seem to have faded into the foreground there. We know Rashad Bateman is currently hurt. They have Mark Andrews and then Nick Boyle behind them. We know they like to use a lot of two, two tight end sets. The big interesting thing to me here is J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are listed with the word or in between them, indicating they're co-starters. There's only one other spot on the depth chart that has that, which is the punt return where it says J- Devin Duvernay or James Proch. I looked into this, and beat reporters say that they release a step chart every year, and when they use the word or, that means co-starters. So kind of interesting that in their mind, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are co-starters. I mean, at least we know what that split's probably going to be, probably going to be more Dobbins in open field pass catching, Gus Edwards in uh, short yardage, maybe goal line, he's 238 pounds. But still, interesting to see that. How do you feel about that? I, th- I mean – We've alluded to this being one of the reasons we weren't as high on Dobbins to begin with. They paid Gus Edwards a contract extension, three straight years for him of over 700 yards rushing. He's very much part of this offense. Not surprising that they're going to be still sharing a workload here, despite all of the talk that Dobbins is ready to take off. I was never buying into that. Coop, we, we, you and I know a few Bills fans. So we have the Buffalo Bills here. Another player that you were on in terms of where they may land in rotation Emmanuel Sanders listed ahead of Gabriel Davis. They've talked about that was Emmanuel Sanders was the John Brown replacement. It wasn't going to be Davis stepping in there. Anything else surprising to you other than Sanders, Beasley, Diggs as a top three? I mean, on the Sanders thing, I just want to say, obviously, they went out, they got rid of John Brown. They took the money they saved on John Brown. They just saved $7 million and they gave $6 million of it to Emmanuel Sanders by the end of the week. So, I mean, that was an easy one to call. His health is all that matters. I mean, beyond that, there's nothing that 
really uh, jumps out besides the fact that Jake Kumaro has kind of jumped up into the second. He's second on the list. So they break it out the same way that uh, some other places do with the different position slot. Uh, they have three guys, slot, flanker, and split end. And Jake Kumaro has made his way up behind Stefan Diggs for the split end. And he has kind of been exciting people in camp. So uh, that's interesting to me, of course. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Singletary listed as a starting running back over Moss. All reports were Moss was having a better camp, and then Moss goes down with an injury. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, Carolina Panthers here. Big turn with the Panthers. New quarterback, obviously, Sam Darnold. They're getting Christian McCaffrey back. They list two tight ends here. So I want to get your take. They have Dan Arnold as the left tight end. They have Ian Thomas as the right tight end, Coop. I mean, that is interesting to say the least. I mean, based on what we know uh, about these two tight ends, what you, I mean, you were the one that found that clip of the agent talking with the GM. So kudos to that because that was super cool. You can, I think you'd find it on Impemba's timeline. Maybe he'll retweet it if he's a nice guy. But Dan, basically, Dan Arnold's agent straight up said, this is a pass catching tight end. He's not a blocking tight end. So if one of those guys is going to be running routes, it's going to be Dan Arnold. I mean, we kind of predicted that it would be a three wide receiver set base set, which would be DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Terrace Marshall. But if they are going to go two tight ends, I mean, that's kind of different than anything we saw Joe Brady do last year or in college. So that would be quite a change of pace for what they do. It would kind of bring Dan Arnold into the fold, but I mean, we want guys that are top two targets on their team that are focal points. And I mean, if I'm going to rank them, you know, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Dan Arnold, Dan Arnold's going to be fourth. And even if he's third, that's kind of a, a big hurdle. So for me, still not super interested, but I mean, I guess it's a negative for Terrace Marshall if you were hoping that he might produce this season. Right, right. Bengals, another depth chart that is kind of shook up this year. They they went and they added Jamar Chase in the first round. There's no more Giovanni Bernard. Again, they're showing three wide receivers. Probably no real surprises for you on this one, right? Uh, so actually, there is one surprise, and it's like everything, it's Higgins, Boyd, Chase, Uzoma, that's not surprising. But what is surprising to me is that they took Jackson Carmen in the second round, right? And we knew that the tackles, Jonah Williams and Riley Reef would probably be starters. Jonah Williams was the 11th overall pick. But they have Quinton Spain and Michael Jordan in there as the starting left guard and right tackle. Everyone kind of figured that Jackson Carmen being a second-round tackle would be an easy fit in at guard, but as of right now, it doesn't look like he's starting. So left, we'll I would keep an eye on that just to see. I mean, I had just having more good players in there. Obviously, depth is a huge thing for line, but it would be nice to see him come out and be a, a stud right away because obviously that's what you want to see when you take a guy like that. We've seen Spain, we've seen Jordan, so you you want him to su- succeed right away and kind of bolster that line, you know. The Chicago Bears have Cole Komet listed ahead of Jimmy Graham. What are your thoughts on your guy Komet being drafted in the second round last year? Obviously, now you serving Graham, who you talked a lot up, talked up a lot last year, obviously. But you know, is it Komet's time? I mean, we saw it last year towards the end of the year. Jimmy Graham was, I mean, because it's Matt Nagy comes over for the Kansas City Chiefs. He wants to run that offense, which uses the tight end in the slot. Travis Kelsey, we've seen it. It's amazing. It's what you want 
if you're a an owner of one of these Bears guys. If you own Cole Komet, I don't care how much you hate Matt Nagy, he's the best coach for him long term for Dynasty. So last year we saw in the early half of the season, Jimmy Graham was playing 20 slot snaps a game. Komet was playing three in the second half of the season, the last eight games. That actually flipped. Komet was playing 14. Graham was only playing six. So, I mean, it seems like the changing of the guard. And if it's when you look at some of these battles to be a second target on a team, I'll take Komet versus Mooney all day versus, say, Austin Hooper trying to get more targets than Jarvis Landry or Odell or any of these. There's a lot of battles you can bring up where it's like no, even Noah Fant trying to get more targets than Cortland Sutton or, or Jerry Judy. That's what it takes in this environment. So something to think about there. With uh, Tariq Cohen still injured, um, and I've seen some things, maybe he might even get an injury settlement release out of, out of this with that ACL. Um, Damian Williams listed as a second string running back. Is there interest with Williams or do you think we actually get Montgomery as a three down back now? We saw his ability to catch the football last year. I mean, Nagy wants to run that one back system. He traded Jordan Howard away. He the year that they drafted David Montgomery, they didn't have a first or second round pick because they used him on Khalil Mack. And then they traded up to take Montgomery with their first pick. I think Damian Williams is perfect for David Montgomery owners because he's non-threatening. You have one every down back. And then if he gets hurt, you bring in the backup who plays every down. That's what the Chiefs did. I mean, if you go back and look at some of those game logs, it's like Kareem Hunt would play. He got hurt. Spencer Ware would come in and he'd be good. And if he got hurt, Damian Williams would come in and he was very good, too. So it's like that's what you want to see as a fantasy owner, just linear depth chart. So if you're a Dave Montgomery owner, you want to be going gone. You want that linear depth chart. 100% agree with you. Let's go on over to the Dallas Cowboys here again. Probably no real surprises. The only thing maybe would be the report out of camp the other day that saw Michael Gallup working out of the slot. You mentioned last year, C.D. Lamb was the one that was working out of slot. Dallas would go to the two wide receiver sets. He was the one coming out the field. Gallup was the one staying off the field. Those roles now seemingly seem reversed. And Lamb is going ahead of Amari Cooper in fantasy drafts right now. Thoughts on this Dallas depth chart? Yeah, I mean, that's that's us going above and beyond what the depth chart actually says, because, you know, it says the depth, this depth chart is as what everyone expected. But the if Lamb becomes the outside guy and uh, Gallup is the guy coming out in two wide receiver sets, which there will be two wide receiver sets this year with Blake Jarwin and Schultz healthy then that's wheels up for Lamb. That's that's what we saw with Chris Godwin the first two years. He was not out in two wide receiver sets because it was Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. Once that barrier was gone, it was absolute explosion time for Chris Godwin, and that's what we're waiting for for Lamb. It'll either be this year or next year. The other thing I'd like to point out is that I know a lot of people had Ezekiel Elliott pegged uh, – sorry, uh, Tony Pollard pegged as a guy to get more usage this year, and he still might, but, I mean – we saw videos coming out of the Cowboys camp saying, hey, we're ready for the season. And it's videos of Tony Pollard returning kicks. And now Tony Pollard is the kick returner on the depth chart. I mean, if you're going to have a guy like Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, a situation like that, you don't see Kareem Hunt returning kicks. You know what I mean? Like, so right. in that situation, it seems like maybe the hype for Pollard is a little overblown if they still consider him a special team player. Yep, 100% there. The Denver Broncos have a couple of camp battles going on. They list the quarterback position, same box, Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. They do have Melvin Gordon ahead of their second round pick, Javante Williams. I think maybe an interesting spot is they have two fullbacks listed on their depth chart group. Does that maybe see a change in how they're going to run their offense? Are they a team that typically uses a fullback as part of their sets? 
I hate fullbacks. No, they're not. That's new. And fullbacks are like they sap the energy from your fantasy team because like if you look at the Ravens, right? And Pat, the, the Ravens had, we didn't mention it, but the Ravens had Patrick Ricard as a starter. And if you look at the snaps that that guy got, he played more snaps last year than Antonio Gibson. Like 30 to 40% of the snaps is what he plays. And every time you bring on a fullback, you have to take out a wide receiver. So, I mean, I guess it does kind of help consolidate targets among the top two wide receivers and maybe a tight end. But just know that, like, if you're a K.J. Hamler fan, the last thing you want to see on that that depth chart is them using a fullback. Because every time the fullback comes in, the third wide receiver comes out. And it's not going to be Cortland Sun. It's not going to be Jerry Judy. So it's interesting that it straight up says Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke on the first line. I don't think I've ever seen that on another right. depth chart. Have you? No, I, no. I mean, like I said, it's 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 a true competition going on there. Uh, mm. You know, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. The Detroit Lions, a team that is in a complete rebuild, as we've mentioned uh, a bunch of times. No real surprise, I don't think, for the receivers, right? Brashad Perriman, Terrell Williams, two guys they brought in in the offseason, paid some money to, listed as the starters. Two tight ends listed as starters here. TJ Hawkinson, Darren Fells. Fells, obviously the great blocker. Swift, Jamal Williams, the two running backs, Goff at the quarter. Maybe the most surprising thing to me was seeing Jerron Allison listed on a depth chart. Didn't know he was still in football. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's Dan Campbell just giving a shout out to his people as a tight end coach with the tight ends there. But I mean, that's going to go most likely. The interesting thing is that it goes, it doesn't go as expected. Tyrell Williams and then Amon Ross St. Brown is a lot of people, in my opinion, foolishly. Have fought you thought, on? Have, have yeah. fought you to death over? Yeah. They were, yeah, they were not pleased. And I love the way it stacks up where it's like you have two different columns, right? Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman. It's not like you have Tyrell Williams and then Quintez Cephas is behind Tyrell and Amon Ra is behind Brashad Perriman. It goes Tyrell Williams, Cephas is behind Williams, and then Amon Ra is behind him. So, I mean, for me, I think that they probably will use three wide receivers a good chunk of the time, but just the fact that they're listing two tight ends as the base set and then Amon Ra isn't even – in the second line, he's on the third line. That's that's got to be concerning for his owners. Yeah, I'm I'm in 100 agreement with you uh, there as well. Though again, a lot of good reports out of camp about Amarante Brown, but also lately we, there was injuries to Williams, Paraman, and Cephas. So those guys don't tend to stay healthy. All those guys kind of have injury issues over their career. So it'll be, it'll be curious to see how that all plays out for the Packers here. Again, maybe no real surprise other than. You know, maybe if Randall Cobb could have been starting, he's not. He's right behind Marquez, Valdez, Scanling, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard are the top four listed wide receivers. You got Rodgers, you got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Anything here interesting to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that they put Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tonian as co-starters, it annoys me because this one they did do it the other way where it's. One column is Devontae Adams with Alan Lazar behind him. One, the next column is Marquez Valdez-Scanling with Randall Cobb behind him. It doesn't give us a good sense of whether Cobb is ahead of, of Lazar, and that's what we want to know. So this is just another annoying depth chart, and it, you really can't glean much from it. So I think uh, I, I think the next team's depth chart, also kind of annoying. We have the Houston Texans. Tyrod Taylor will sit at the top. I mean— that doesn't tell you what we're all thinking already with Deshaun Watson status. Tyrod Taylor starting quarterback. But then they go running back, running back. Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, with David Johnson and Rex Burkhead being the backups to those two. You have Brandon Cooks, Chris Conley as the two wide receivers. But then it's Farrell Brown, not Jordan Akins as the starting tight end. What do you make 
of what's going to be a very bad Houston Texans team. I mean, I have no, this one is just a complete nightmare. I'm wondering if this is actually like trade bait or something where they put Engram and Lindsay as the, like something you do in fantasy football when you're trying to trade a guy, you know, like move him into your starting lineup and you're like, yeah, I'll trade this guy. And then everyone realizes that the real guy you want to keep is on your bench. Like what I, I, I get it with, I mean, I really don't get it with David Johnson. He he had the best yards per carry of his career last year, as you pointed out to me, yeah. right? So he should be he should be up at the front there. Jordan Akins has been the best in camp. I've been reading all about it. Brevin Jordan, people are raving about him, and Brevin Jordan has said Jordan Akins is a consummate professional. The, the whole interview about tight ends, they talked about, they briefly mentioned Cahill Warren. There was no mention of Farrell Brown, who is about as clunky of a blocking tight end as you can get. I think maybe they're just dangling people out there for trade bait or something. Or I mean, this one was only released on Twitter, too. So yeah. I wonder so if maybe talk, this was talk, a prank. We talked to Colby Conway because I had some questions about this Mark Ingram thing as well. And he did point out that this new coaching staff and whatever GM group, they have no ties to David Johnson. And the head coach is coming over from Baltimore where he has that connection with Ingram. So that's that. Uh, that was his feeling on the situation. And Mark Ingram is going undrafted in drafts right now. So like, if that's how they feel, if if they think Mark Ingram is has the connection with the we you know with the Baltimore connection with the new coach and they want to use Mark Ingram, I guess you know like or whatever. I mean, the team's a tr- the team's a dump- dumpster fire anyway. It so is. I mean, it, the only thing that matters is Brandon Cooks really. An- another team that you know I think. St- surprised everybody with reports again we're recording here on a wednesday today that now all of a sudden carson wentz could very well be ready for week one after getting that five to 12 week timetable following uh, his foot surgery so he's gonna everybody who panicked and and let michael Pittman and ty hilton and jonathan taylor drop multiple rounds now carson wentz is expected to be back and he's listed as a starter on the step chart with Pittman, with hilton with zach pascal not Ugh. Paris Campbell and Mo Alley Cox is a starting tight end next to a Jack Doyle also listed as a starting tight end. Yeah, I love this step chart personally because it, it makes me chuckle because I kept calling Gabriel Davis Zach Pascal because they have the same workout metrics. They were both the fourth wide receivers on that team who uh, both came into play last year because someone got hurt and they scored the exact number of PPR points down to the decimal, right? And everyone said that was a terrible comp. I'm an idiot, but here we are. Gabriel Davis on his own depth chart is a backup and Zach Pascal on his depth chart is a starter. I mean, I know these depth charts are jo- are probably not real and they're jokes and Paris Campbell's probably going to end up starting. And, and the fact that know, they have Jonathan Taylor, Jordan Wilkins <laughs> listed in the same box as the RB1, of course, yeah. I mean, it's across the board. It's it's just uh, Naheem Hines is all the way back there, but he's going to play a bunch of pass snaps. And they already told us that Kylan Granson is going to be playing a pass catching role. I mean, I think it's just a, one of those teams that does it that way. I mean, Eric Fisher is not even. The, it's interesting that Eric Fisher is not even in the first row. He's in the third row. I mean, this line could be could be a nightmare if that's if he's not ready. So I don't know. It's this is just one of those depth charts that we could probably just kind of take with a big grain of salt. They did put Quiddy Pay in the starting lineup as a rookie, so it's not like they're completely against rookies. Yeah, 100% there. Chiefs depth chart here. This was the one that I thought maybe was a little bit surprising because everybody wants Miko Hardman to be a thing in fantasy so bad. And they get the depth chart here, and he is listed as the wide receiver too. 
opposite of Tyreek Hill. We've always talked about how we felt that Hardman was sort of the Hill backup and in the linear depth charts or whatever of a wide receiver. We thought Robinson and Pringle would be battling out for the vacated Sammy Watkins role. Doesn't seem to be, at least based off this depth chart, does does that give you interest in a Miko Hardman if he is, in fact, the wide receiver two here? Yeah, well, I mean, when I look at this depth chart, my question is, right, so th- there's a rule in football and at all ages where you have to have seven guys tethered to the line of scrimmage. You have five linemen, right, and then Travis Kelsey. Typically, you would have a split end, a big player that can beat the jam, right? That would be Sammy Watkins. On the first row of this depth chart is two wide receivers, Tyreek Hill and Miko Harmon, and then the tight end of running back, and then a fullback, Michael Burton, which they're not going to use Michael Burton for like 70% of snaps. So for me, that tells me that somebody is likely to be playing additional snaps, whether that's another tight end or whether that's Demarcus Robinson or Byron Pringle, but somebody has to have their foot tethered to the line because these two little guys, like they're really not going to be able to do it. You don't want Tyree Kale in that position if you're an owner. You don't want him to be jammed up like that. He's not a big player. So interesting to see what they really are going to do, but I don't believe this. The Chargers here, again, they have a new new coordinator coming over. Not too much, I don't think, is different here, right? Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Jared Cook, Justin Herbert. They have the fullback and neighbors that played a lot in Austin Eckler. Anything surprising to you? Maybe you're a little bit hurt that your guy Josh Palmer is buried behind Jalen Guyton, K.J. Hill, Tyron Johnson, Jason Moore. We were hoping for Palmer, but at least this depth chart doesn't seem likely. Yeah, I mean, this this one is, like, at the very top, it says depth chart is unofficial and compiled by Chargers Communications. So I know they'll they'll shade on the side of veterans if so that's usually the case. The together is what you're saying? It seems to be the case. I mean, let's take a, take a peek here, see if they have any. I don't really see a whole lot of rookies that are, I mean, I guess they – the Rashawn Slater's cracking the lineup. So I guess that does indicate to us that they're willing to put rookies up front. So, I mean, maybe I, the reports I've heard of Palmer's doing well, but yeah, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's not the case. So something to keep an eye on, but he's probably going to take a little while to fire at least. So I would keep in the back of your mind. He was already a guy that's such a late, like last round best ball or like third round year rookie draft pick that you were never going to expect him to crack your fantasy lineup this year anyway. Right. Uh, Rams depth chart here, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, Robert Woods. I'm sure we all expected that. Daryl Henderson, RB1, expected it. Matthew Stafford. The wide receiver three position has Deshaun Jackson and Van Jefferson splitting the first box, and then nobody in the second box, Tutu Atwell in the third. So it seems like there's a real competition here for the vacated Josh Reynolds role. DJX was he looking good in camp, but we thought they talked a lot about how much they liked Van Jefferson last year. Now, how do you see that competition playing out? Yeah, and I think it play. I think it's exactly how you kind of said it is that the Josh Reynolds role is that he can play any position. He's a perfect Zach Pascal type guy where if someone gets hurt, he could play split end, he could play flanker, he could play slot. Van Jefferson is that guy. McVeigh McVeigh when he drafted him even said he's a coach's son that can learn all the positions. So. I think what it is, what this depth chart really is, in my opinion, is Cooper Cup and Robert Woods starting, Deshaun Jackson as the field stretcher, right? Because of the injury history of Deshaun Jackson, Tutu Atwell, who runs an absurdly fast 40 time, is the backup to Deshaun Jackson as the field stretcher, and then Van Jefferson is just the extra guy when you need him. This team is still going to use two tight end sets, whether it's with Johnny Munt blocking and Higby 
running pass get pass routes or whether it's with Bryson Hopkins or Jacob Jacob Harris Jacob Harris converted wide receiver who's looked great in camp at a tight end. Yeah, I've seen the retweeted highlights of him making some yeah. big catches. They're going to mix and match. So for fantasy, I think what you really care about is Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Daryl Henderson, Matthew Stafford, and for me that's about it. That's as much as an offense can support. Tyler Higby blocks too much. I did a huge write-up on it if you want to check that out, but just leave him for somebody else. Yeah, uh, we would go to the Jaguars depth chart, but uh, they still have Gardner Minshew listed as their starting quarterback and don't have any of the rookies. So I don't know how much we're going to get uh, mm. get out of that one. No no real help to us there. If we're going to take a look at the Miami Dolph depth chart, we have Devontae Parker still starting. Albert Wilson, if he can stay healthy there, is there Will Fuller, another guy that's leaks and be suspended for week one in, in constant injury issues with him. You have Miles Gaskin as a starter with Malcolm Brown behind him. I guess my real question is to you is where do you think Jalen Waddle fits into this? Starting immediately as soon as he's healthy. If they drafted him at that if that pick if they drafted him at that pick instead of a Penesul or somebody like that and he doesn't start then that's an absolute mega failure. If Albert Wilson earns a starting role over Jalen Waddle, I mean, unacceptable. <laughs> right? Yeah, right? I mean, I listen, I've, I've been taking Waddle late in, later in drafts. As all reports out of camp have been that he and Tua were really connecting. They have that history. He's an outstanding. I agree with you. You know, like, yeah, Albert Wilson's a fine player, but he, he's not. he shouldn't be starting over. Guys with more talent, Will and and Fuller went healthy. Field stretcher, more talent. Devontae Parker, you can argue, I guess, who's more talented there. When Parker wants to be good, it feels like he can be good, but the consistency level there is just lacking. So I'm with you there. I'm hopeful, given some of the recent drafts I've done, that Waddle is the guy. Yeah, it should be. It should be. It's like this team's going to mix and match a ton. It's a Patriots. Uh, tree guy, Brian Flores. So they will use Adam Shaheen and Mike Gusecki in two wide receiver sets. They will use a fullback now, it seems. They got Seathan Carter, who's a fullback from, from the Bengals, and they drafted the fullback out of Alabama. So that's not out of the question. So, I mean, they're all going to mix and match, but in the end, you don't draft Jalen Waddle to not be a starter on this team. Like, yep. end of story. I agree with you there. Minnesota Vikings, again, no real differences for me here. Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Cousins is there. I guess maybe the, the conversation goes to the tight end here. Irv Smith Jr., Tyler Conklin, a little bit of a debate early in camp when they said Irv Smith's role wasn't going to grow. People started pointing to Conklin's success at the end of last year. You're the tight end whisperer. What do you think? I mean, he said Irv Smith's role isn't going to grow because Irv Smith was already playing a fairly full role, which I'm going to write. Actually, it's going to come out on Friday when this podcast is going to come out. But Irv Smith played a ton of snaps. He ran. He had like an 86% route participation. So he was already out there running routes pretty much every time they were throwing the ball. So I think that's what the coach means in that Irv Smith isn't going to play 130% of the snaps. He's going to play his snap share that he was playing. And Tyler Conklin was going to take over Kyle Rudolph's snap share. That's what I think that's what he meant is that don't put all this pressure on Irv Smith to be Irv Smith plus Kyle Rudolph. You're going to have another guy who's Kyle Rudolph, which Kyle Rudolph is not interesting for fantasy to me. The interesting thing to me, really, in terms of battles, and not really necessarily for fantasy unless you're in like a draft with Giants where kick returns are huge. But Kini Nuangwu, the I might have butchered the name, but anyway, anyone that knows who I'm talking about knows who I'm talking about. He's a rookie they drafted in the fifth round. And apparently this guy is crazy fast. He's been getting 
a lot of buzz because he was the second fastest running back in Madden on their notoriously stingy speed scores, especially for rookies. And uh, apparently he was kind of doing really well returning kicks. And he re- I looked it up. He returned three kicks for touchdowns in college. So Amir Abdullah could be on the bubble. And people were actually talking about him maybe giving Alexander Madison a run for his money. So in really deep leagues. That's a guy that maybe in your deep dynasty league should be stashing because he's going to it seems like he's going to get himself a chance to at least run back a couple kicks and get on the field a little bit. And people have been impressed with him. Yeah, I'm with you there. New England Patriots depth chart. Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry, Johnu Smith, both listed as the tight end one. We're expecting them to go to two tight end sets, so that's probably not overly surprising. Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, the two starting receivers, Nikhil Harry, Kendrick Bourne, the two receivers as backups. I don't really know what to make of Matthew Slater being listed in the same box as Nikhil Harry. Slater is a special teamer only, so... I'm hopeful that Harry has the leg out there. They list two starting running backs, Damian Harris and Sony Michelle, in their own section. New England has been known to use a fullback, but like, do they do they still have a fullback on the team, Coop? Did they? That's, did they like- that's the bit. So the big one isn't the full. The, so we'll talk about the fullback. The big the big thing here is that the Patriots, our favorite team, I always check out the depth chart on the website. They've always had two two running backs listed as the co-starters. And one of them's always been James White. So the fact that one of them right now is not James White is kind of intriguing in this idea that maybe they're going to use two running backs in a balanced fashion, or maybe Sony Michelle might be getting that James White role. I mean, it's kind of interesting to say, you know, I mean, maybe they put it that way because it's Damian Harris versus Sony Michelle for the running down role. And then there's going to be a passing down role guy because they've never, we talk about this all the time, but they've never had a guy that had 200 carries and 35 plus catches. They, they split it up. So I think what's happening here is an intern is saying, oh, it's Damian Harris versus Sonny Michelle, but that's just for that first role. The reality is it's going to be split between one of those guys and James White on passing downs. We do have the fullback still on the roster. He hasn't been cut as far as I know. Jacob Johansson, the guy that we got, yeah. he's from the, now I forget the name that he got him from Germany through the pathway program and he was pretty good last year. So he's still on the depth. He's still on the roster. I don't know. He's not listed uh, on the depth. That's what was throwing me off. Like I don't see him. I see Jacoby Myers listed as a running back. And I wonder if that's just a mistake. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, Jacob Johnson led all Patriots players in the backfield in snaps last year. He played more than James White, more than everyone else. So, I mean, as far as I know, he's still on the team. He, he is. I'm looking it up right now. He's still on the team. So he's, yeah, yeah, yeah he's still he's still in the squad. And uh, interesting that he played more snaps than any of those guys, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I agree with you there. The Giants depth chart, maybe nothing too surprising other than Kyle Rudolph is listed as the fourth tight end. <laughs> yeah, I think I think what they did there is they took everyone who's on the physically unable to perform, to perform list and they just, and they just threw them okay. at the back. Yeah. Okay, so he, I think Smith and Evan Ingram are the two starting tight ends. Galladay and Shepard are the two, two starting receivers. Barkley is the running back. Yeah, I think some teams do that. I think the Giants are one where if you're hurt, they just kind of throw you at the back there. I think he's on the pup list. So I think that would explain that because I think they, they paid Rudolph a good chunk of money. He's going to play an inline. I mean, as an Engram fan, I'd love to say that he's just a scrub and they're just going to say cut him or whatever. But he, he's going to play and he's going to play a pretty substantial role as a blocking tight end. So I think that's just a pup list thing, the, his placement. The New York Jets depth chart here, we have Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder, Keelan Cole as the, the three starting 
uh, wide receivers. Tevin Coleman gets the the look at running back. LaMichael Pirine, Ty Johnson, Michael Carter listed fourth. Is there any way Michael Carter is the fourth running back in this group? This is this whole one. This is just a complete smokescreen, in my opinion. I mean, I they I love that they they are always willing to put the rookie lineman right up there. They're like, yeah, Elijah Vera Tucker, he's definitely starting. But it's there's no way that it's Keelan Cole over both Elijah Moore and Denzel Mims. One of them is going to get in there. It's worth noting that Denzel Mims apparently got really sick with food poisoning to the point where he needed antibiotics. And he was throwing up for two weeks, lost 15 pounds. Since then, he's come in and played really well. They said the last four days has been the Denzel Mims show. I expect Corey Davis to be the starting split end, the big guy with his foot tethered to the line. Them to use one tight end opposite him, and then you'll have two more wide receivers whether that's Mims, Crowder, or Elijah Moore, I think it's going to be two of them. The important, the important thing is who's playing in two wide receiver sets. The winner of that battle has an opportunity to produce. So something to keep an eye out, especially week one. Week one is going to tell us who is going to be playing that big snap share. Last year, they used two guys like that. I mean, I know it's a new coach, but the 49ers did the same thing. They used two tight end, two wide receivers on most of the snaps and then mixed and matched the rest of the way. So uh, I'm super interested to see how that shakes out. Oakland, oh, sorry, Oakland, Las Vegas Raiders, rather. Their depth chart, we got Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro as the three starting wide receivers, Darren Waller at tight end, Carr quarterback, Jacobs as the starting running back with Drake behind him, and Alec Ingold at fullback. Yeah, this one, no surprises at all, really, honestly. Yeah, it seems, uh, seems straightforward to me, yeah. I, why can't everyone just do it like this? Like, just put your starting lineup out there, and then we can all look at it. Like, everything lines up the way it should. Waller, I know he's got some weird stuff going on, but he's obviously going to start. So why don't you just put it out there? John Brown being on the second team there is the honestly the biggest thing because i know gruden is such a whole he's such a like old school like a uh, veteran guy that you would think that he would just throw even if john brown wasn't going to start he would just throw the him out there and be like yeah but yeah. the fact that it's rugs renfro and uh, brian edwards to me that says something yeah i'm with you on that one uh, as well, a lot of people talking up rugs. They, he came in, supposedly put it on weight, still looking as fast and ready to go. The last year, Nelson Aguilar kind of took his spot and he got injured. So I think if he's healthy and ready to go, we'll see what happens with him this year. They use that, obviously, first round pick, surprising everybody, making him that first wide receiver off the board last year and uh, what was an elite uh, wide receiver class. Going over to Philadelphia Eagles here, Devonta Smith is their wide receiver one, which you and I, you know, we took them in that FFPC draft. Then it gets sprained his MCL, but we were fully expecting Devonta Smith to be that number one uh, receiver. Greg Ward, Jalen Rieger are the two other receivers. Rieger supposedly working in the slot in camp was the expectation out of him. Tight end, you have Zach Ertz ahead of Dallas Goddard, but they're both sharing that tight end one box. What do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I think that when you talk about Rieger working out of the slot, you know, Greg, Greg Ward only played slot last year. It's... It's basically going to be, to me, it's a situation where it's going to be Ertz and Goddard both playing with their foot tethered to the line, which allows for Devonta Smith to be a flanker out wide, a step back, and then one other guy either playing flanker on the other side or playing slot in between Devonta Smith or Ertz or one of the other guys. I did notice that they have Rieger listed as both the, as the punt return and an option for kick return. So may and Greg Ward is the third string kick returner that kind of leans towards Ward being the starter. Usually 
teams don't like to have the punt returner also be the starter because the guy returns the punt, then he needs a break. So maybe it will be Greg Ward. I'm not interested in Greg Ward at all. That would be a killer pick using a first round pick on Jalen Reed last year, getting nothing out of him as a rookie and then making him the punt returner in year two. I think you would think you'd want him to be the starter. (laughs) Talk about talk about talk about Devin Duvernay. I mean, it's pretty, pretty close. I mean, I think it was third round, but I mean, he's already being used that way by the the Ravens. He's listed as a kicker and punt returner. So yeah, you would, I mean, if I'm going to take a shot on anyone, it's not going to be Greg Ward. He's not even, he's not fast. So he doesn't have a high a dot. He doesn't have high yak. He's basically Cole Beasley. You know what I mean? So not interested at all there. Kind of interested in Zach Ertz at his ADP. Goddard is still being drafted tight end seven, which is where we, that ADP was set by all of us back when we thought Ertz was gone. So the fact that it hasn't changed, I'm not interested. 49ers depth chart is also not updated. They have Bethard and Rosen as their quarterbacks. Still have Tevin Coleman, so can't look at them. I wish I would I would have Jordan, liked to have known. Jordan Reed's on there, and he's retired. Right. So I, I would have liked to have known how they list their running backs, I think, mostly. Uh, if they had Sermon or Mostert, that would have been very cool. I'm hopeful for Mostert. I, I looked at my underdog ownership exposure percentages today and my top two guys were drake at 66 percent and mostert at 64 percent. so so much mostert i have a ton of mostert i have a lot of i i too have a lot of mostert Uh, seattle another team no depth chart i don't think there's anything that we were looking for with seattle though right like we know it's lockett we know it's metcalf concentrated target tree there carson we know is a starter gerald everett's the starting tight end there's wasn't anything I think we were looking at Seattle, maybe mm. who the wide receiver three was, right? David Moore's gone, so who was going to step in there? But Dwayne Eskridge, probably. Yeah, it should, right, but he's dealing with a foot problem. So if he ever yeah. figures that out. You don't draft, in my opinion, you don't draft a 24 year old rookie if he's not going to play right away. Like you're either going for the polished guy who can play or you're going for the young upside guy. When you draft that guy in the second round, like, an old prospect in the second round, you have to start him right away, right? Or he has to play at least something. Right. No, I agree. I agree. Speaking of old prospects, Tom Brady still that quarterback for the Buccaneers after their Super Bowl. Not shocked there. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are the starting receivers. Antonio Brown is behind Godwin on this depth chart. OJ Howard and Rob Gronkowski are listed as the starting tight ends there. And Ronald Jones is ahead of Leonard Fournette. So weird, man. Like, I, I can imagine that I'm going to tweet this at Antonio Brown, see if we can get him to freak out because there's no way that Antonio Brown's not going to be a starter. If they bring him back, like OJ Howard is going to fill in as a pass catching guy. And there's a lot of parts of this depth chart that aren't surprising given Bruce Arians. Like obviously he's going to put Gio Bernard in a decent spot. He obviously is going to put the rookie Kyle Trask behind Blaine Gabbert and a quarterback named Ryan Griffin, who I, I only thought I've only heard of the tight end ryan griffin for apparently is a 31 year old quarterback ryan griffin i don't remember him at all playing for anyone from tulane are you familiar with this player did he play for the texans at all that's like my only vague but oh, i could be thinking says, of the that he played according to this it says he just played for the maybe i mean i have to know now i have to know who this fella is you look that up. I'm on the Steelers, and there's nothing different here. Deontay Johnson, Claypool, Juju. You have Ebron um, ahead of Fer- uh, Faramuth, and you have Najee Harris as a starting running back. That's that's all standard. 
Yeah, so this guy apparently was a practice squad player on the Saints in 2013 and 2014 and has been floating around the Bucks organization in some capacity since 2015. Like good on good on him hanging around is, on practice who squad. Who is this guy, dude? Who is this guy, man? Collecting a practice squad check. That's all that that guy is. Best best job in the world. Amazing. Six, six ring there. Uh, the the Steelers. Anything to you? Do you it's think not, Ebron never loses busy. the job to the rookie tight end? It's too busy looking up this this dude that's ahead of Kyle Trask on the. Uh, yeah, no, Ebron's gonna be just fine. I think the, if anything, Firemuth is gonna come in in a blocking capacity early, and then it'll maybe be a Cole Komet situation where they say, all right. Ebron, Ebron's the Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet is, Ebron is Jimmy Graham, and Friar Muth is Cole Komet, where at a certain point they say, okay, you know, we're probably not winning this here, let's switch it over and see what the kids got, and then hopefully Ebron goes away, and Friar Muth can take over that role fully, and hopefully Juju goes away too, so then Friar Muth can be fantasy relevant, but there's just a lot of, a lot of, I know this team throws a lot, but there's a lot of balls to go around, I mean, there's a lot of guys that, that need looks, so the tight ends don't really... It, they're not interesting to me outside of best ball. The Washington football team has the warrant, the disclaimer on their depth. This is an unofficial depth chart compiled by WashingtonFootball.com writers. They have Terry McLaurin, obviously starting. They have Logan Thomas. They also have Adam Humphreys and Curtis Samuel starting at the two wide receiver positions. What do you make of where those two fit into their offense? To me, aren't both guys slot type receivers? So this team, contrary to popular belief, ran a lot of four wide receiver sets in that sharp football shows four personnel, which you see a tight end in there and they say it's 11 personnel. But in reality, Logan Thomas played 700 snaps in the slot. So, I mean, he's 700 snaps at wide receiver. He played more slot snaps than anybody else. He played almost 200 more than the highest tight end. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them doing four wide receiver sets with Terry McLaurin out wide curtis samuel as terry mclaurin as the split end curtis samuel as a flanker logan thomas in the slot and then one more player kind of floating around whether that's jd mckissick whether that's adam humphreys i'm not interested in anybody outside of terry mclaurin curtis samuel and logan thomas and then of course antonio gibson as a running back i will say this I looked at teams that had guys, I've been looking at this for a long time, teams that have guys with, that have gotten 300 plus targets on the same team. And it's only happened seven times over the last five years. Didn't happen at all in 2015 or 2017. So that's how rare it is. Under 5% of the time. And some years it doesn't happen at all. In two of those years, two, two of those seven teams were coached by Ron Rivera. The 2019 Panthers and the 2020 Redskins. So if there is going to be a team that we could reasonably predict to throw highly consolidated targets to three players, it would be this one. And that's why I'm still kind of interested in Logan Thomas, despite the presence of Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin. Let's finish this off here. We're going to take at the Tennessee Titans depth chart, Julio Jones, Josh Reynolds, AJ Brown. They have AJ Brown listed like 85 times on this depth chart. So Clearly a clerical error somewhere there. Uh, yeah. Jeff Swaim, is there a tight end over Anthony Ferkser? I want to know your thoughts on that one. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Swaim uh, came in last year. They, what they did is they used Jeff Swaim to be the blocking tight end when Mike, Michael Pruitt got hurt. And John Smith went in to block. Ferkser played a bunch of slot. They brought in Swaim to play uh, more of an inline role to free up John to catch passes. That's all he is. He's the new Michael Pruitt. He's the, basically an extra tackle to help Derrick Henry, but 
the guy you want for pass catching, of course, is going to be Ferkser if you're going to want anyone. But for me, once they traded for Julio, this team does not pass enough to support a ton of pass catchers. If anything, it's going to be Julio, Julio and A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, and Ryan Tannehill. And that makes it easy for us for fantasy football because you don't want to be playing the guessing game between four different pass catchers on the Steelers. You want to know. You want it to be like the, the Vikings where there's Jefferson, Thielen, maybe a tight end, and then the running back. Like That's what we have here. We have two dominant wide receivers. Uh, a running back who doesn't catch passes, which means plenty of targets for those guys, and then a quarterback who throws and runs a little bit. It's 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 the setup you want. You don't want a bunch of weird formations. You just want the guys to be the guys. You definitely want the guys to be the guys, 100% on that one. Coop, that is a quick run-through of the unofficial NFL depth charts that have been released uh, going up ahead of what is week one in the preseason for many. We have the uh, Fantasy Football Expo for everybody in the industry and, and fans alike this upcoming weekend. Saints Classic Draft, the Cold Conway going out there to represent uh, Fantasy Alarm in those two drafts. Exciting. It's good to watch some football. We're going to finally get to watch some Patriots. This is going to be released on Friday. Also being released on Friday, though, is part four of your tight end series, the Ying and Yang. Everybody listening now should be able to read that. You want to give a quick little uh, you know, teaser to what we can expect there? This is honestly, so anyone that read the first article in the series, I lied to you. Because in that article, I said, this is the only article that you need. And to a certain degree, it is. Because it gives you all the uh, stats, everything you need to be a better fantasy gamer. This article just tells you who to draft. And a lot of people that aren't, uh, super big fantasy nerds like us or a lot of people that are, are fantasy alarm subscribers or listen to this podcast they do care about fantasy and they like the first article that has all the stats everything that you need to know to figure things out yourself but this one is the one where i go through and tell you every single tight end and i'm pretty sure every fantasy relevant tight end's name is in there somewhere whether i say well, these five are guys you can draft standalone these are the guys you want to draft that you can start week one that won't get you a zero these are the guys to fade these are the guys that you want to put on your bench that you can't trust week one, but are going to blow up. And that's the whole yin-yang process is you pair two tight ends, one safe guy to start early in the season, and then and then you keep rotating upside guys until they hit. Because, I mean, if you really think about the years that Mark Andrews and Logan Thomas and Darren Waller broke out, it seems so obvious in hindsight, but nobody was drafting those guys and starting them week one for the most part. You know what I mean? You had to either get them off waivers or you were had to be stashing them. A lot of our readers were stashing Mark Andrews. They were stashing Darren Waller because they read these articles. They already had them. But you can't trust them week one. And that's what what, what the yin-yang tight end is, is that it, let, it teaches you how to start one safe guy and use that guy as a springboard to find that guy that can blow up for you without losing those first couple weeks. So definitely check that out. It's my favorite article that I do every year. Yeah, for sure. So be on the lookout for that. It's it's certainly live by the time you're listening to this. Uh, if you don't, Coop, check his Twitter account at Coop A Fiasco. Get the fans on Twitter account. You can find me on Twitter uh, at JMPemba777. That wraps up this week's episode, everybody. If you have any questions regarding your uh, fantasy football leagues, draft questions, keeper questions, don't be shy. Get in our Discord. Ask us questions in the NFL channel. Tweet at us. We're here to help you guys win your leagues. And you start that off by drafting well. Coop and I are here to help you all out. For now, we will catch you later.